are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everyone? Welcome in to another episode of the Locked On Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. On this Tuesday edition of the show, I want to discuss post-UCF what are the areas of improvement for Louisville going forward following that win against the Golden Knights. And then we'll transition into highlighting the 2021 class and why it looks to be very special down the road. And we'll finish out the show shifting a little to the NFL to some former Cardinals and looking at what Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson are respectively doing. Before we get into the show, like I mentioned, my name is Dalton Pence. For those who are not aware of who I am, I'm a credential media member for Cardinal Sports Zone, where I serve as a football beat writer and a recruiting analyst. And also do some PA announcing work for the university in sports like soccer, lacrosse, field hockey, baseball, etc. You can follow my Twitter at Depence underscore. And you can follow the podcast Twitter page at LO underscore Louisville. A quick shout out to the Locked On ACC podcast. If you're looking to get more information about the conference as a whole, there's no better place to get that than the Locked On ACC podcast hosted by Candace Cooper. Be sure to follow that podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you like to get your podcasts. So let's get right on into the show. We're going to assess the improvements that need to be made following the big win against Central Florida. And I got to be honest, in this game, what I was looking for from Louisville a lot was tuned up. There were improvements that were made that I was pretty fond of, especially on offense. Uh, Malik Cunningham, I thought, did extremely well in terms of going through his reads and making his progressions and ultimately being able to throw the ball and not being hesitant in doing so. There were a couple spots where he was still over and under throwing guys, but at the end of the day, it was his best performance of the season you know, by far, and I'm excited to see how he's able to progress as the season goes along. The offensive line allowed one sack, and that was kind of a controversial sack. Uh, Malik Cunningham ran into his own offensive lineman, thus in turn the Central Florida defender was able to pretty easily get around and complete the sack, which was their first sack of the season so far in three games or two and a half, whichever you consider. So I thought, but ultimately I thought the offensive line did a lot better in terms of protecting Malik Cunningham. I understand, you know, Cunningham a lot of the times was scrambling out on the run, making throws on the run, um, you know, making plays happen with his legs. But one key indicator that the offensive line was playing better than the first two contests of the season was just considering the fact that the Cards were able to get the running game going. I know they only had 191 yards on the ground, which, you know, uh, you could kind of spin it as not necessarily being good enough. But I thought, you know, Malik Cunningham ran the ball well. Jalen Mitchell ran the ball better than he has all season, and he was pretty much the feature back in that offense. So I was pretty excited with what the offensive line was able to do defensively. um, They still had some spots where the Golden Knights were moving down the field at will in big chunks. But for the most part, I thought they turned in a pretty impressive bill of performance. I thought that, you know, they kept UCF, you know, 200 yards less than their you know, season average of 661 yards. You know, you have to consider the, the teams that they're playing. But ultimately, I thought that UCF was troubled at times with what Louisville was throwing out there. Really wasn't able to get the run going outside of a couple big ones from Johnny Richardson, um, who had nine for 101 and a touchdown. Also had a big kick return in that third quarter. So 
Personally, I thought that the Louisville defense did really well. The linebackers and the secondary did extremely well. Um, but like I mentioned, there was some spots in that game where you could just tell, I don't know if it was a previous defense or whatever type of system that they were running. There were just a couple of drives where Central Florida was just basically going down the field in big chunks and scored pretty easily, you know, five plays, six plays. So I think that that has to be the number one improvement for the defense going forward. I guess you could say 1A, 1B, because they still need to get pressure on the quarterback. I know that Central Florida runs that kind of hurry-up offense, but it didn't seem like the pace was as quick as I thought it was going to be. Um, When they did run hurry-up, it seemed like they were making substitutions So um, it definitely seemed like the pace was a lot slower, giving Louisville the opportunity to catch their breath a little bit, get into their defense, and also make some subs of their own. So I'm not necessarily so sure that we can use this whole, oh, they use this up-tempo pace as a crutch to justify not being able to get after the quarterback. However, they did have a season-high two sacks. C.J. Avery had one. I believe Yasir Abdullah had the other. Uh, Forgive me if I'm wrong. So the pass rush moving forward has to be better. Um, They have a couple games coming up to where, you know, McKenzie Milton or Jordan Travis, if you allow them to sit in the pocket and make their reads or even be able to get out in in the open field, it definitely isn't going to bode well for that Louisville defense, kind of like Dylan Gabriel when you allowed him to run. Quickly, I want to send my thoughts to Gabriel as he deals with that uh, clavicle injury. Hopefully he recovers quickly and fully. Uh, But moving on, let's, you know, discuss this pass rush because it it does seem like you know guys are getting healthier Yaya Diaby is finally healthy um, or getting that way as Brian Brown admitted in his press conference last week Ashton Gelati is making some big strides and we'll talk about you know the Flyville 21 guys here in a second but I think the pass rush has to be better on top of that I think you know there has to be you know, times in which Louisville has to be able to complete tackles. There was some plays on Friday evening in which Central Florida utilized the pockets of space that the Louisville secondary was giving them. They threw it into space, and um, a 6-7 to seven yard game became 20-25. to 25. That has to get polished up a little bit. Um, I thought that the defense made some adjustments and improvements and being better in terms of not allowing the big play underneath. Um, they had one aerial threat and a 41-yard touchdown to Ryan O'Keefe. But other than that, there wasn't a ton of you know deep ball threats. And all season long, it seems like Louisville was trying to prevent that. But and that's kind of um, at the exposure of allowing the opposing teams to really utilize the middle of the field and um, in short yardage situations. So I thought for the most part, Louisville did well in trying to contain Central Florida and really make things a lot harder than they could have been. But at the end of the day, there were also some possessions in series where, like I said, Central Florida went down, boom, 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 touchdown, boom, 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 touchdown. And thankfully, um, you know, Jalen Alderman was able to reverse the trend in that game, but um, it definitely looked like you know, Central Florida was answering any call that Louisville had, and they were doing so extremely quickly. And that, that's something that you have to be able to polish up a little bit. So, you know, pass rush and being able to not only complete tackles, but not allow def- not allow opposing offenses. I should say not not defenses, not allowing po- opposing offenses to be able to march down the field and just find you know 10, 12, 14, 14, 16 yard plays that just get you closer and closer, and then finally you score. So. Um, those are the two improvements that I'm looking for on the defense side of the ball. On offense, really, in my opinion, it's just continuity. And I guess you can say the same thing for the defense as well. 
Um, like I mentioned on the Monday edition of the show, it's a great win, but you have to be able to see if there's going to be some consistency there because you know an outlier win is just that. It does nothing for you against Florida State and moving forward. So I think that the main thing has to be staying consistent. You know, Malik Cunningham has to continue to be better on his reads and going through his progressions. He has to be better on you know throwing the ball accurately, which I thought he was on last Friday evening. Um, you know, the offensive line has to be able to create holes for the running back committee. It has to be able to protect Malik Cunningham as much as they can. I know that he scrambles out a lot, but, you know, they have to do their best in that regard. And the wide receiving core, I think, has to continue to get open, which I don't think has been an issue thus far. Um, but um, I think we saw Marshawn Ford had his 2021 breakout game. He's finally healthy, feeling a little better as he was under the weather the first two games. Had eight for 100 and a touchdown. All three were very positive outcomes for the 502 native. And I think, you know, for the Louisville offense to continue to take the next step, I feel like I keep hammering home. Continue to get the ball to Marshawn Ford. Continue to get the ball to Marshawn Ford. We'll see how these improvements that we saw this past week carry over into Florida State because that's going to be the true measuring stick of how well this Louisville team has progressed and how well the changes that they made you know are in the long run so um we'll see how that goes we'll talk about more of those you know throughout next week after this Florida State game is played um we're going to talk about the Flyville 21 classes and how special those guys are but not before we talk about how special Prize Picks is if you're a college football fanatic you need to hear about this Prize Picks is a daily fantasy system made easy it's a leader in college sports daily fantasy and offers more college football props than anyone in the world and offers all of the star players of the Power Five as well as mid-majors that you may not have ever heard of. Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from yardage to touchdowns and even interceptions thrown. So basically, here's how it works. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections. And you can win up to ten times on any entry, but it's just you versus the projected numbers. And it also allows mixed sport entries. So you can literally take the over on LeBron James and combine that with the under on Patrick Mahomes in the same entry. So be sure to use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. It's safe and offers fast withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. Another opportunity that you need to be aware of is in the automobile industry. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's not impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry when you have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket? Rock Auto allows you to save time and money. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership when Rock Auto is right there? It's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Prices are reliably low for every customer. And they have everything you could ever need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Be sure to go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution for all of your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so moving forward, like I mentioned all throughout the podcast in August, 
I'm extremely excited for this 2021 football recruiting class. For the Louisville program, there's already been a handful of guys that have stepped on the scene and made some impacts right away. Um, some you know quicker than others. Others were somewhat expected, and there's some players that are kind of still you know trying to get their way through the depth chart. So we're going to talk about a couple of them. I think you know the first one I want to focus on, and this was a guy that started just now busting onto the scene. That is Travion Cooley. He only has 10 carries on the year for 36 yards. Um, doesn't have a you know a rushing touchdown, but what he does have. Um, I thought that he looked very poised when he has gotten the ball. Just 3.6 yards per attempt. However, definitely looks solid against Eastern Kentucky. Didn't necessarily hear his name called a lot against Central Florida, but had that huge trick play, you know, lateral back to Braden Smith, who found Cooley on the wide open touchdown down the field. I think that that just kind of shows you that Travion Cooley is going to be a big play type of guy in the future. I'm extremely excited for him, especially in year two and year three. I think this year is going to be more of a situational outlook for him, but definitely excited to see him grow But in not only throughout his career, but this season. I think with the more acclimated he gets to the speed of the game and the more acclimated he gets with the playbook and the camaraderie that he builds with Malik Cunningham. I think it's going to bode well for how well he plays throughout the season. The number one freshman so far, and this really shouldn't surprise everyone. I keep, I, It seems like every time I talk about him, I say the same thing, and I apologize because I, I guess it probably gets redundant. But at the same time, like I have to keep saying it because I want you to see where I'm coming from. I tweeted it out when he... You know, fumbled on the one-yard line, but had you know a 95-yarder that looked like he was going to score on. Amari Huggins-Bruce leads the Cardinals through three games in receiving yards. He has seven catches, 174 yards, no touchdowns, but he looked like he was going to have the one against Eastern Kentucky before he fumbled it. He's averaging t- just under 25 yards a catch. I get it. That one catch basically makes up more than half of his receiving yards. But as we saw throughout that game against Eastern Kentucky and what we're seeing in Central Florida, he is definitely dynamic. Once he touches the ball, he's very shifty. Reminds me a ton of T.Y. Hilton. Like I said, I have. I'm, it seems like I'm under contract to say that. I definitely think that he is going to be big down the stretch. He's going to be one of the guys that Malik Cunningham relies on because as Malik isn't necessarily a guy that goes deep a ton, being able to hit the guys out in the flat and those guys being able to make others miss, that is so big for this Louisville offense that is continuing to find their identity in terms of the passing game. But not only that, they're still waiting for guys to come out of the woodwork. It seems like they've done that kind of in waves. There's been like six or seven guys that have really started to show out but I think Amari Huggins-Bruce has to be you know, the bright spot in that offense in the passing game just because, number one, he's a true freshman doing this right away. But that home run ability every time he touches the play is definitely something notable. Something that doesn't necessarily get focused on a lot is the offensive line in terms of individual recognition. Uh, Michael Gonzalez in that first game against Mississippi, he actually played somewhat of the majority of the snaps in the second half slid in at left tackle you know for Trevor Reed and actually did pretty well in that second half he's a guy that when we focus on on that offensive line he's going to continue to get more snaps and I gotta be honest that that kind of surprises me I thought it was going to be you know year two or year three because I bought into all the talk about 
um, how this veteran-led offensive line was going to be pretty solid. And I mean, they still have the opportunity to be that way, but I think this is more of a testament to Michael Gonzalez's strong play and how well he's playing up front. And um, I'm super excited to see him. You know, originally kind of listed as a guard, it's it's kind of unique to see him being thrown in there at left tackle at the most you know, important position on that offensive line, protecting Malik Cunningham's blind side. So I'm very interested to see how Scott Satterfield and Jack Bicknell use him moving forward. Are they going to, you know, use him as a Brian Hudson to where they, you know, pick and plug him at different places, whether he plays either guard or tackle? Or is he, you know, going to make the full switch to tackle now that, you know, the coaching staff has seen that he can do that? So just a thing to keep an eye out on. Let's transition over to defense. Not a ton of true freshmen really kind of showing out there as, you know, in in opposed to the offense. But um, the first one has to be Ashton Jelotti. Um, Jelotti having the only sack of the game against Eastern Kentucky. And it seems like he's been all over the um, you know line of scrimmage ever since. Doesn't necessarily show up too much on the stat sheet, but when you watch him, you can definitely see that twitch that the coaching staff was talking about when he came to Louisville. The main thing was just being able to fill out his frame and add some strength onto it as well. He did that in the offseason. We talked about it over and over and over to, to the point where it probably got tiring just to hear about it being mentioned. So we're, we're starting to see the benefits being reaped. Um, I think that, you know, he. I'm still looking for him to take, you know, the next step in becoming an elite pass rusher, which I think he can be. It might not be till year two before we see that, but he's definitely showing the makings early on. Um, one thing that I'm pretty impressed with him in terms of his game is not only is his ability to um, blow plays up at the line of scrimmage, but also being able to, you know, trail opposing you know ball carriers and get guys down from behind I think that that's pretty big and you know just shows a testament to his speed he's going to be a guy to look at moving forward other than that um you you have a couple guys that are playing big time like Jalen Alderman I mean we we saw the pick six starting to make some noise for himself that was his only snap of the game and it's pretty that's pretty wild to even think of, but the coaching staff and you know C.J. Avery, Monty Montgomery, they all rave about how you know smart he is, how well he's starting to get acclimated with the system that Brian Brown is starting to run, Court Dennison, etc. So definitely look forward to him playing big time. Jackson Hamilton is starting to you know show out as well, getting some time. Ben Perry, we also have to focus on, and you know, moving down the line. So, um, we'll f- continue to focus on them throughout the season. Uh, in the last segment, I want to shift over to the NFL and all the good stuff that is coming from Teddy Bridgewater and Lamar Jackson. However, there's also some good stuff going on at Bet Online that you need to know about. Obviously, the football season is in full effect, teams are back on the gridiron. Bet Online is your number one spot for all of the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100 from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, and they are your online sportsbook experts. 
Okay, so in the last segment of this Tuesday edition of the show, like I mentioned, I want to transition a little bit into cards, into the pros, and focus on two of them. And I really feel like I want to do this more, but with you know the, how hectic game weeks are, there's not a lot of opportunity to talk about you know the Louisville team in general, let alone you know be able to fill in the spots with the interviews that I have planned and stuff like that. So I don't necessarily get to you know go over you know how the cards are doing in the pros. But there are two guys that I want to focus on on this Tuesday edition of the show. The first one being Teddy Bridgewater. First off, extremely happy for the guy. Um, It's not determined what the future is going to be like in Denver, but he couldn't have asked for a better start. The Broncos are 2-0 with wins over the Giants and the Jaguars, so not necessarily the greatest competition um, but we'll, you know, a win is a win in the NFL, and you have to cherish those. So far, he has been very solid, 77.1% complete completion percentage. Through that nice completion percentage, he has accumulated 592 passing yards, four touchdowns through the season, zero interceptions, which is pretty solid. That's something that... Um, you know, for Teddy Bridgewater last year, didn't necessarily do all that well. I mean, he threw 11 interceptions, which is just one shy of his career high. Um, zero right now. Um, has a quarterback rating of 83.3. So, you know, he doesn't necessarily throw the ball downfield all that much. We've seen that. Um, but, however, what he's doing is really you know, boating well for the Denver Broncos so far for a team that wasn't necessarily supposed to be any good per se. But, um, you know, they have only played two bad teams, but he's definitely showing out. Um, 2-0, like I said, 54 for 70, 77.1% completion percentage. I look for that to grow this week against the Jets ahead of the all-Louisville showdown with the Baltimore Ravens on the 3rd of October. Um, so we'll definitely have to see how that works. He's averaging just over, actually not just over, actually 11 yards per completion, 296 yards per game. That is smashing his career high. His career high came last year, 248.9 with the Carolina Panthers. So it seems like, you know, I I don't know who said it. You'll have to forgive me. I, I feel like I remember it was on Twitter. There was, a Figure, it was a pretty popular figure in either it was in either in an opposing NFL front office or in the media that said, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's mental has always been there. It's just a matter of his physical catching up to it, and now his physical is there, so he's primed for one of the best seasons of his career, if not the best season. And I mean, to Louisville fans, that's all we've been waiting for. You know, all we hear about with Teddy is, oh, the physical limitations. His hands are too small. He doesn't throw that far. When he does throw that far, it's not accurate. He gets picked off. Well, now I think, you know, at 29 years old, Teddy Bridgewater probably has accepted the fact that he's not a guy who's going to lead the NFL in the longest ball thrown. But what he does is he executes his strengths very well. And it's showing right now the confidence is sky high. Denver has a solid supporting cast around him. I know that Jerry Judy is is banged up and is missing some time, but, you know, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, and then you have solid running backs and Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon. And over the past couple drafts and offseason, Denver has put some money and draft capital into that offensive line, and not to mention they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. This is the best situation that Teddy has been in his seven seasons in the NFL. 
um, outside of maybe New Orleans, but you kind of have to tamper expectations considering the fact that he wasn't necessarily a starter nor given a fair shake of that after. But that's kind of to be expected with Drew Brees still at the helm when Teddy signed the deal with Carolina. So, um, you know, Carolina gave up on him in favor of Sam Darnold. I really couldn't be any happier for Teddy. Just an elite human being, really down-to-earth guy with the couple of times that I've met him. Um, but now we've seen, I'm not necessarily show, so sure what the ceiling is for this Denver team. I still don't necessarily think they make the playoffs, but um, I'm just happy to see Teddy, you know, balling out. Another guy that's balling out is Lamar Jackson, who's obviously under a bigger spotlight than Teddy, just considering the um, respective context. And i got to be honest, that first game against the Raiders, I don't necessarily think he played that bad. 19 for 30, 235 yards and a touchdown, no interceptions, 98.6 passer rating, um, only took three sacks, had 12 rushes for 86 yards, did, however, lose two fumbles, uh, fumbled the ball three times in total, but recovered the other one. So that has to be worked on, you know, his his ball security, which shouldn't necessarily surprise anyone. It seems like he's always had some issues with holding on to the ball. But um, I thought that he did everything he could in that game. You can't necessarily help your receivers dropping passes. He still has, you know, kind of a, you know, now it's an average skill player, you know, core around him. They did add Sammy Watkins. They had Marquise Brown back. But other than that, I mean, Devin Duvernay, it's not necessarily getting the job done in terms of, um, you know, surrounding Lamar with a bunch of weapons. Not to mention Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins go down with injuries. So they're on a third string running back. Um, and I believe it's Tyshawn Washington. And they had to add, you know, Latavius Murray, Devontae Freeman, Le'Veon Bell, etc. Um, so I thought that the defense really didn't do Lamar a, a service in this game. But f- moving on to week two, obviously Lamar back on the big stage on Sunday evening against Kansas City. The Ravens got a 36-35 victory. Lamar 18 for 26, a touchdown, two interceptions, however, 16 rushes, 107 yards, two touchdowns. I thought that this was one of his better games in quite some time. It still frustrates me how much hate he gets. I mean, I get it. People um, are rarely ever going to, you know, step back from the hill that they die on. Um, you know, metaphorically speaking, obviously not, you know, literally, but um, you know, just to figure a speech. I, I just, I don't get it. Uh, I think Lamar is one of the better, if not the best, playmaker in the NFL at this point in time. Uh, the only thing that I've continued to say, the only way he's going to shut anyone up is by winning and winning at the big stage because one of the because one of the clouds and concerns that's been kind of surrounding his game is you know why can't he show out on the big stage why is you know he doing all this in the regular season just to you know fizzle out in the postseason I don't necessarily think this is all on him obviously some of the blame is on him I think you know the offensive play calling I think is very vanilla at times you know run dominant to where teams aren't necessarily being forced to do that much in terms of trying to stop the Ravens and I don't think that the skill players you know are even you know the wide receiving core isn't even top 10 top 15 maybe even not top 20 in the league right now and that that's unacceptable you know when you have you know such a solid young you know generational type talent at quarterback that is doing everything he can so for Lamar to take the next step he's just got to win 
um, has to really put his team on his back. I think he's doing pretty solid. There's still some you know, decision-making issues and uh, him trying to force throws. But I think what I saw against Kansas City, even though he had those two interceptions where he kind of threw in triple coverage, I thought he made a couple throws and against you know, Las Vegas as well where he really, you know, split, you know, split the needle, threaded the pass through coverage, and I thought, you know, he made some pretty outstanding and impressive reads and throws. So it'll be interesting to see how Teddy and Lamar fare, you know, in the future, especially, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that week four matchup whenever it comes. So overall, we talked about the areas of improvement that still need to be worked on after that solid win against Central Florida for the Louisville football team. We transitioned into identifying some guys that have been showing out from the Flyville 2021 class and then discussed a little bit about Lamar Jackson and Teddy Bridgewater's hot starts in their respective NFL seasons. Looking ahead to the schedule for Locked on Louisville throughout the week, we've got some interviews planned for Wednesday and possibly Thursday as well if everything works out. Friday we're going to do some preview of Florida State, so be sure to check that out. Um, also, you know, we're always appreciative of the likes, the rates, and the subscriptions of the podcast on whatever service that you utilize. That is greatly appreciated. Um, I do want to give some quick shout outs. Number one to the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast and all that they're doing over there. Uh, the latest episode is published. It is great. Definitely a must listen. Also, a shout out to the Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get your daily picks, blunt specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. So be sure to follow that podcast brought to you by betonline.ag on whatever service that you stream. That's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the show. Everyone have a great day, and we'll see you back here tomorrow.